Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. You know, I'm just glad that I'm down here right now because I've been I've been so lackadaisical lately, and I'm not going to let you guys down anymore. Here I am, ladies and gentlemen, from deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon. Welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In. I'm Dom, and this is the Craft Beer Show, bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. This is episode number 172, and this week we are drinking from Kane Brewing Company, Overhead. That's right, Overhead, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I heard a lot about Kane Brewing Company because, you know, when since the uh, the internet and all technology knows everything about you, you know, like knows literally everything that you do. Um, they know that I love craft beer and they will flood my feed with different breweries that are around. And excuse me, sorry. Kane has popped up many, many times on my feed and stuff like that. And I've never really gotten a chance to get some. Uh, this time around, when I went to Joe Canals, uh, there was some in the fridge and I grabbed it. It's called Overhead. Uh, and I think from what I read, I'm going to clarify that in a little bit. It is sort of like how there's King Sue and Pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath. I think there's just like um, High Head, I think it's called. And then there's Overhead here. And the Overhead is a double IPA or an Imperial IPA. They're kind of interchangeable when it comes to the names. And I had one already. I'm going to have another one in a little bit. It was pretty darn good. And we'll get to the review in a little while. How have you been doing, guys? Uh, we're in the middle of a heat wave, and I know I've been complaining about the weather down here for a while. Holy shit. It kind of hit another echelon. I mean, this is probably going to be the worst of it. I don't think we're going we're gonna to have that much of a bad time down here um, moving forward. But I will say this. Speaking of the Internet in terms of how, like, when you put your likes out there or when you put yourself out there on the Internet in terms of what you're into, you kind of get ads and you get stuff flowing your way right? That's what you're about. So I obviously have on the internet that I'm a fan of craft beer. So last week when I did a Facebook uh, post of last week's episode, I decided to take it upon myself to spend $20 because a little bit of money can go a long way when it comes to ads on Facebook. I spent $20 of my hard-earned cash to just try to plug last week's episode in a way or try to get more clicks to the website. Because, you know, this is what people do. You know, they they put content out there and then they want to try to get it out to the people. Now, obviously, it did go out there because I got, I got a hell of a lot more clicks than I usually get, and it does work. But what I noticed is not every... <laughs> you know, when you put yourself out there on the Internet, you know, obviously you're going to hit scrutiny and stuff, and I'm not complaining about that. There, there, that's not That's not the point. But if I go, let's, let's just say that like I join a Facebook group or say on Facebook, ready, follow me here. I love the color blue, you know, big fan of blue. It's awesome for me. I think blue is really great. And then I see an ad saying that maybe we should pay more attention to the finer blue things that are out there. And try not to, like, let's look for, like, m- more organic or local blue stuff instead of, you know, mass-produced blue stuff that ha- uh, does profit over quality. You know, let's just say that you saw that ad. 
and then I comment on that ad or, or on that link. You know, why don't you just let people do what the fuck they want and have whatever fucking blue they want? Because guess what? There's some blue that's real shit out there. Because that's what's, that was some of the comments that were coming in on the ad. And I'm like, guy, the fuck are you getting mad at me for? I'm just, you wrote down that you like craft beer. You wrote it in your thing. So you get an ad and you, not only that, you think I really, I mean, I'm just saying this because I think it's kind of funny for the show. But not only that, you get, you get mad to the point where you have to make a comment yelling at, yelling at me, which doesn't matter because you don't matter. Yelling at me about the message that I'm trying to get forth with this, with this article. You know, there were some comments that were just a bit, you know, less um, intense and I included those. I deleted all the, the shitty ones. And I'm not, I'm a big advocate for free speech and all that. But when you're, when you're talking some real dumb shit, that makes no sense, by the way. You said this. You wrote to Facebook, I like craft beer. And then Facebook's like, okay, we're going to hook you up with this link here. And then you're like, motherfucker. Like people got a lot of rage in them right now. And the internet is such an incredible place that there could be such an exchange of ideas and all it's become is a soapbox for people to just be mad all the time. And it's such a fucking tragedy that this technology has been given. I mean, Andrew, uh, C, uh, Louis CK said this, Andrew WK almost said party hard. Everybody Louis CK said this a while ago. He said the best technology ever in the history of mankind has been bestowed upon the worst generation ever. And what he says is just so correct. Not, I'm not saying when he says like, hey, can I jerk off in front of you? Like that's correct. No, obviously that was wrong. Because if you didn't know, that's what Louis C.K. did. He did. That's, what, that's how he got canceled, by the way. Um, not advocating that, but I am advocating what he had said with that quote because it's truly tragic. And this brings me to TikTok. Now, you may have heard about TikTok lately in the news because apparently it is a tool by the Chinese to spy on us, sort of like how the Furbies were a tool by the Russians to spy on us. I don't know what to believe anymore. What's up is down. What's down is up. I'm just, I just hope we all make it to 2021. But with that being said, TikTok is the latest piece of technology that I'm into right now. It's it's sort of like a 15 or 60 minute video swipe thing where you just scroll through videos. And I introduced it to, to my wife. I introduced it to my, my mom, my sister's on it. Like we will send each other TikToks that we find funny all day. And what you could end up doing, and I guess maybe this is applied by the Chinese, who knows? You could end up sitting there for a period of up to maybe 45 minutes, I shit you not, 45 minutes watching these stupid TikTok videos. And like, I had, I get a lot of poop polio. If you don't know what poop polio is, I think I maybe mentioned this before last week. Poop polio is when you sit on the toilet too long and your legs fall asleep and they're gone. Essentially, they've just become, they've been reduced to nothing. That's called poop polio because you lose your legs pooping. And TikTok is is really bad for in terms of rabbit hole poop polio. And this is the crazy thing about TikTok, okay? It learns, this is where the Chinese part comes in or, or whomever, foreign interference, whatever, gives a shit. This is where it comes into play. It learns what you're into and will only show you what you're into. So if I go 
tomorrow I make a new TikTok. And in that TikTok, I only like videos of people skateboarding and stuff. That's all I'm really going to get is like a skateboarding one, an occasional something else to try to grab your attention on something. And you literally, oh, and you could also, I think in the beginning, because I did this a couple of months ago when I made an account, you could also uh, say what you like and they'll show you just honestly just what you like, but it learns you through an algorithm. And that's why, <clears throat> that's why so many people, whether you're in my generation, the generations, uh, you know, beneath me or even older generations, like you can be on TikTok for a long time. So now with my sister and my mother and my wife, we got in a little group chat and we're sending just dog, cute dog videos back and forth, cute baby videos back and forth, cute cat videos back and forth. And it's just, I don't, I don't think it's doing any harm, but there is definitely a section of TikTok that's quite frightening uh, that I would say to stay away from. There are a lot of weird people on TikTok. I, I've, I've actually done a couple of videos that I've shared Privately, I will never do it on in public because that is just too shameful for me. I'm not a big social media guy. I'm not. I, I'm just not big on it because it's basically just a bragging outlet. You know, look at me, look what I'm doing. Blah blah blah. But I just want to get that off my chest that I don't think I'm going to do Facebook ads anymore. I think I'm just going to grow the podcast the organic way that I did in the past, where just if people hear it, they hear it. If they stumble across it, they stumble across it. You know, because I got a great core group of listeners. You guys come week in and week out. And if you're new, I'm really glad you're here. I hope that uh, you really enjoy the show and what it has to offer. And uh, we ho I hope that you go back in time and you come back next week. But uh, another thing I just wanted to mention real quick before we continue on Netflix. Now, this is really neat, too. I didn't know this. So if you guys have Netflix, which I'm pretty sure a gross majority of Americans do. Uh, if you go to like the tab on the left where there's like the search and like the movies and TV section, like I never really touch that because I always would just scroll through like the main menu. But if you go to that left side, right, there's a tab that says, um, um, oh God, there's latest, I think. And then there's like to be released or upcoming or something. Now I'm drawing a blank, but you'll see it. You'll understand what I'm saying if you go look at the tab right now, if you're listening and you could get there. Um, when you go to that tab, it'll tell you what's coming up in the next, uh, like next week or the week after that and then in the next like month, like it goes pretty deep. And I think that's really cool because like what I would do on Netflix, it just, I mean, I mean, I, I'm pretty dumb. So I just discovered this. I'm pretty sure everybody knew about it. I would just like go to the new releases and like, if it was the same stuff, I'd be like, I guess there's nothing released yet. And then wait like a dumb, dumb. But now, um, I saw that now this is really great for me. I mean, I don't know about everybody, but they're going to have a mafia, um, documentary docu type series where it's kind of like they interview and talk to the law enforcement at the time and the mobsters at the time like in the heyday of the mob in New York City, especially I think in the like 70s, 80s and 90s, up until like the the Rico takedown with Giuliani and all that stuff. Um, and I'm really pumped to see it because I just sort of finished my Sopranos rewatch. And I want to just, I want to, this was a real thing. Like the Sopranos was based, was a story obviously, but it was, it was enveloped in real life stuff. So I'm really, really, hyped for this uh, upcoming documentary, I hope, or docu-series or whatever. And I hope they do a great job because I really want to hear both sides of it. Like, I really want to hear whoever's left, of obviously, of the mob at that time and then what law enforcement has to say. And I hope they put it together in a pretty awesome uh, 
uh, a pretty awesome presentation. It does look pretty good. I saw the trailer. Um, you see the five families and stuff like that, and it looks really, really neat. So I'm hopeful about it, and I figured I'd share it with you guys that uh, that's going to be the next thing that I uh, that I take a look at because I'm interested in it right now. I would, you know, you go on Wikipedia, you scroll around, you read about. I want to see at its height, like how many how many members these five families had, like how much of a control did they have over this city and how did it happen too? And because you know, today it still exists. Like these families still exist and still operate in the five boroughs. I think it's really interesting. I also hope that they go outside of the five boroughs a little bit, try to just give an idea of how things work out and how it is in uh, LCN and stuff like that. So that's just the other thing that was on my mind. Uh, and that's it. So let's get to the hop of the week and we'll uh, continue the show. Okay. Fortunate for us this week, uh, Kane Brewing Company overhead. They included the hops in their description, which means that that will be the hop of the week. So what do we have here? Ladies and gentlemen, we have in this beer that we're drinking right now, we have a sip. Hmm. We have Amarillo, Columbus, Cent- Sentinel, or Centennial. Centennial, I think. I'm going to say Centennial. And Simcoe. Again, if this is your first time here on the show, and for those of you that have been the grizzled veterans and weekend warriors of three beers in, I will repeat hops week to week if they come up. And that's the way we learn. If you heard this before, bear with me and try to commit some of it to memory. Amarillo hops are used worldwide, where, is the, uh, where its ultra-high myrcene, myrcene content creates a delicious orange citrus flavor. Amarillo is highly acidic, uh, making it a perfect choice for English Standard Bitters and Pale Ales. has no, no other names, uh, but its characteristics is its orange citrus flavor. And it's mainly used for its aroma because its alpha, alpha acid composition is 8 to 11%. The next hop we have up on the list here is Columbus hops. Columbus. The uh, And by the way, hoplist.com brings us these descriptions. The exact lineage of the preparatory hop Columbus is unknown. Its namesake was created in part as the result of a legal dispute between Hop Union and Yakima Valley Chief with uh, when both parties attempted to patent the same hop. <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Yakima Chiefs' variety was named Tomahawk after an agreement uh, was reached. Both names were registered, but they are technically the same hop. However, now that is very interesting. Tomahawk and Columbus hops are exactly the same. Originally bred by a, a Charles Zimmerman as part of the USDA breeding program sometime in the 1970s, Columbus is sometimes referred to as CTZ, uh, which means Okay, so they combined all the names. They say Columbus, Tomahawk, and Zeus. Zeus, not Zeus, because Z U E S. Though it's genetically uh, distinct from Zeus hops, it features a punchy hoppiness and deep, uh, pensive aroma, with uh, understated citrus notes. Perfect as a dual-use hop, commonly used late in the boil, and when fresh. Columbus has an herbal flavor with a lemon citrus back note. Usable in a number of styles but notably American-style ales. So it's also known as Tomahawk and CTZ, obviously because of the trademark dispute, which I think is really interesting. 
Purpose of it is bittering and aroma, and the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 14 to 18%. The next thing we have up on the list here is the Centennial Hop. Centennial owes its existence to a mix of Brewer's Gold, Fuggle, East Kent Golding, and Bavarian Hops. Developed in 1974 and released in 1990. Centennial was pioneered by Charles Zimmerman again and S.T. Kenny at Washington State University. It is at times referred to as Super Cascade because it has its similar uh, citric citric characteristic. That's hard to do after a couple of 8.2 percenters. Or is it 8.5? We'll find out later. Centennial is much celebrated in the hop in the hop community for its versatility and its depth of bitterness and forward aroma, two characteristics that balance each other beautifully. It is well-suited to pale ales, IPAs, and other high-alpha content, and is floral in both flavor and aroma. Centennial has had its ups and downs in the commercial brewing industry, but is currently experiencing a return to popularity, particularly among leading craft breweries. Again, also known as Super Cascade, characteristics here are earthy and floral with an element of citrus, its purpose is for bittering and aroma, and the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 9.5 to 11.5%. And the last one here, and certainly not the least, is one of the big proprietary k- k- kings, Simcoe. Released in the world in the year 2000 by Yakima Chief Ranches, American variety Simcoe has become widely popular with craft brewers with a high alpha percentage and low cohomulone. It makes a very nice foundational bittering hop. It is also noted for its flavor, uh, favorable aroma qualities. It is pleasantly fruity, yet earthy, with an herbal piney aroma. Flying Flish is to create a 10-year anniversary. Okay, I don't care about what they're going to do. Uh, so again, also known as just Simcoe. No one has any other name for it. It's bright citrus flavors with earthy undertones, aroma of grapefruit, pine, and herbs. Bittering an aroma hop with the alpha acid composition anywhere from 12 to 14%. And shout out to Kane Brewing Company for putting their hops out there because I'd always just love to be able to read about what they're brewing with because it gives you that opportunity to learn the flavor. Got a couple of interesting articles here for you guys. That I've procured over the week. As you know, I have my ear to the ground here. Big red flavored beer from a San Antonio brewery sells out in three minutes. And you won't have to wait long for another shot at getting some, but this is from ksat.com. And I just don't understand why. Big Rojo, big red Soda Berlin Weiser. San Antonio, Texas here. The big red flavored beer you've heard so much about is officially sold out for now. Uh, If you weren't online ordering Big Rojo right at 2.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, you're out of luck because the Isla Street Brewing is sold out of the Big Rojo craft beer in three minutes. The good news is you won't have to wait a long time to get some more, and they'll make some more, but... My question's why? I mean, look, I mean, maybe it's just people are just out of. You know, ideas. I don't I don't know. But this this just seems strange to me. Maybe it's a local thing. Maybe there's like a um, a local hype on this. But 
you know, the, the more you dress up these beers, it, it it's going to get grosser and weird. I just don't understand it. I don't think it's good for craft beer. I'd rather them make a fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, um, a seltzer. Make a seltzer, man. Just make a seltzer. You know, anyway, uh, here's a really interesting thing here. From Genesee Beers, I found this on Twitter, and I'm going to put this on the Facebook uh, so you guys could see it. Genesee Brewery decided to do a thread where they said, Jeff Goldblum as Genesee Beers, right? And people would take, or they actually replied to themselves, and they took things that Jeff Goldblum has worn over the years and, like, did a side-by-side shot with one of their beer cans and how it looked together. And the thing that, was really unbelievable is that two things. Jeff Goldblum is an extremely like eccentric guy and an, an intense dresser. Like he's got a lot of crazy outfits and stuff like that, that you'll see in this little thread. But I also had no idea that Genesee made any other beer besides their cream ale. Okay. They have a 12 horse ale, which looks like it's a wheat beer of some sort. They have a Schwartz beer which is unbelievable, and they call it a dark session lager, which doesn't really make any sense. You could have session ales, but I mean, let me not, let me, I'm sorry, let me stop right there. Your Schwartz beer shouldn't get beyond like 5% alcohol or like a 5.5. In my experience with Schwartz beers or dark or black beers from Germany, it just doesn't make sense that you would call it a session, a dark session lager. It's definitely, it, by its definition, it is, but nonetheless. Genesee beer, the regular beer, and then they had Genesee light. I had no idea they had all these beers, but I'm going to put it there because I think it's a little cute that they have their, um, that they did this, you know. And uh, everybody loves Jeff Goldblum. Who doesn't love Jeff Goldblum? You know what I mean? So here I have another article. Oh, excuse me. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to burp that hard there. Let me see, which one do I want to read here real quick here? Uh, This is another cool article. I think this is really great because it sends an awesome message here. Um, Every Vote Counts Ohio Beer Collaboration aims to boost statewide voter registration. uh, registration. This is from clevescene.com coming out of Cleveland. This is by Maja Zumo. And it's an interesting, cool label. It's got like this like red, white, and blue thing going on. Every Vote Counts. A new Ohio brewery collaboration aims to, and, and you're seeing a lot of collaborations going on right now. And I think that's, that's good. You know, I think that's cool that um, people and breweries are coming together. The campaign called raise a glass to democracy was launched by secretary of state, Frank LaRose. Well, that's pretty cool. Secretary of the state of Ohio is trying to get the beer going here. Quote, it is widely thought that many of the ideas for the American Revolution began in pubs with people getting together and talking about how they didn't want to be under the oppression of the monarch anymore. The idea of democracy uh, going together with beer drinking is very compatible. Oh, fuck. Another ad comes. I'm sorry, guys. I fight the ads. I fight the man. And I go on here. Sid LaRose during the kickoff event. Quote, you can have your opinion, state your opinion, you could share it on social media, or you could go to public demonstrations. But unless you register and vote, you are missing uh, you are missing an important part of the civic process, he continued. The concept is Rheingeist has designed, oh, I guess this is the name of the brewery, pardon me, Rheingeist 
has designed an open source label for participating breweries to download and use. LaRose says the labels will read, uh, which read visit Ohio.gov, vote Ohio.gov to register by October 5th, will remind citizens that it's time to get registered to vote. Currently, 8 million of Ohio's 11.5 million citizens are registered to vote. Quote, we want to be the highest voter registration average in the entire country because we know that democracy thrives when every voice can be heard, Rose said. Based on the data that younger voters are less likely to vote, uh, uh, both vote and register to vote, and citing a Harris poll says that more than half of the 21 to 44-year-olds drink craft beer. The goal... Oh, wait a minute, hold on. Says more than half. Okay, yeah. Maybe that's why my Facebook ad fucked up because the guy looked like he was 78 years old and hated everything. The goal of the collaboration is to naturally get the vote message to young people. Ohio's breweries are such a big part of Ohio's communities. We're not just bars and tap rooms, we're also community centers, and voting is a great way to emphasize community, said Colin Castor, co founder of Columbus's Seventh Son Brewing Company and president of the Ohio Craft. Brewers Association during the Raise the Glass to Democracy kickoff. So far, more than 30 Ohio breweries have signed on to uh, the collaborative campaign. The Every Vote Counts website says uh, uh, says to expect beers to be in the tap rooms and the breweries by September. Ryan Goss says that Every Vote Counts will be launched in August. I think it's a really neat, a neat, uh, thing that they're doing here. I think the, the, that voting is extremely important. And I think that no matter where you stand on, uh, on any side of the aisle, whatever, if you wear a blue tie or a red tie, it is so important that you, um, that you vote. I mean, uh, this is what it's all about, right? Voting. So get out there and vote everybody. Uh, here's another one here. Uh, we got from TV. Let's see what we see here. Uh, what was the, hold on. Now I'm not going to read this one cause it's not really saying anything. It's just talking about dry hopping, um, loggers and like they're saying, is it a new trend? You know, I look at dry hopping loggers. I mean, they, they, they get a great aroma and I think it adds to the flavors just a little bit, but I've, I've never really, um, dove deep into it. I don't think that when you're having a a lot um a lager that you want to put too much uh, investment in the dry hopping process. That's just me. Everyone's different. I, I think it's just an extra step that's not necessary. You're going to get you 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 want um especially in home brewing, lagering is very rare and to if I mean some people get bored and they want to do that extra step, but to get a good lager you know, is dry hopping really going to um, to increase the the quality or the uh, or the pro uh, the product the final products um, you know quality? Jesus Christ, I, I forgot how to speak. You know what I mean? So this is an interesting article, and when I read it, I thought that maybe um, I thought maybe that it was a mistake. Like, I thought that maybe whoever did this was like, this is the direction we're going in. And then they got found out that it was, it didn't look that great. And then they're like, oh shit, take it down. But it actually turned out not. But a beer with KKK styled cover pulled from the world beer shelves after backlash in Connecticut. 
Now let me take a sip here because this is unbelievable. World of Beer announced this week it pulled one of the craft beers from the shelves after complaints that the bottle's covering looked like the hood worn by the members of the Ku Klux Klan. Yellow Belly Beer is is, uh, is no longer being sold. They had a typo here. At the national chain locations after backlash on social media, including a post on Facebook where a woman... Oh, God, hold on. Her woman... Uh, uh, where a woman claimed her husband... And friend purchased a $40 beer without any warning what it looked like or information of the meaning behind it from the brewers. Now, this is where it was it became interesting for me because World of Beer apparently is a is a chain, because what I read from the article, that's what I got from it. And this foreign brewery made these beers. And I and I when I heard that it was a foreign brewery, I thought, okay, maybe they didn't understand or know the historical implications of what this may look like. And then you find out that they actually did it on purpose. So an employee promoted the beer to customers at the West Hartford World of Beer, according to a post on Facebook from a woman who said that she was the wife of one of two customers, a black man. The post said there was no indication from the waiter what the bottle looked like. The bottle comes wrapped in what appears to be white paper, almost uh, with a point at the top and has two black holes in it. And when you look at the, when you look at the picture that's here, it there is no mistake that this looks like a hood of a Klansman. Uh, you know, there's there's no way to get around it. In a Facebook post, uh, it's writer called the server at the West Hartford Eatery, ignorant and sensitive and tone deaf. The beer brewed by Omnipolo in Sweden and Buxton Brewery in the United Kingdom uh, is described on the Omnipolo website as an imperial stout with 11% alcohol by volume. The, the description goes on to say that a quote-unquote yellow belly is a person without courage, fortitude, or nerve. Quote-unquote, a coward. So they go on to say, to us, one of the most cowardly deeds is to act anonymously, hiding behind a group. A uh, a signifying trait of institutionalized racism, the description states, this beer is brewed to celebrate all things new, open-minded, and progressive. Taste, enjoy, and don't be prejudiced. A batch of beer was released on April 20th, according to Omnipolo's Instagram page. In response Monday to a negative review written on July 11th, which included the Facebook post about... Oh, sorry. Motorcycles just flying by. Uh, Facebook post about the West Hartford incident. World of Beer said it's decided to pull the beer from its shelves. Please accept our apologies for the lapse of judgment and serving, statement said at the time. While we can't speak for the intent of the brewer, the visual representation does not have a place in our establishment. We appreciate you bringing it to our attention and welcome the opportunity for discussion. What I found just so incredibly crazy about this was the fact that the brewer, they didn't make a mistake here. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to release the clan hood fucking beer. Like, are you, are you nuts? Not only that, I mean, I go, you do it, I mean, if you're going to do it in Sweden, whatever. I guess, I guess like, you, the, the message is different in Sweden. Not that it's acceptable, but it's different in Sweden. You know, they're not going to be hit as hard with the implication that's being put forth there. But just because you say you're for progressive, uh, progressive uh, progressivism, Jesus Christ, and you're not against bigotry and hatred and you want to, you're trying to move past that. 
You can't dress your beer up in a Klansman hood. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. Ah, Brewbound.com, another uh, website that I think is really cool. Anheuser-Busch has to pay a record $5 million to compromise for... Ah, here's another ad. Oh, podcast advertising made easy. Will I be cursed at by an, an old man? You see how they listen to you here, people? I talked about this earlier on the podcast. It hasn't even been aired yet. They're listening to me. They're listening to me through the computer. Maybe it could go through. Maybe it would help with my listens. I think they're listening to me for personal gain. I don't know what the fuck you're gaining listening to me. Anheuser-Busch to pay a record $5 million in compromise to the trade uh, trade practice violations tied to a sports and entertainment uh, sponsorship. So they basically broke the law. And the government... The government was like, you, you motherfuckers, you got to pay. So apparently from the, uh, from July 1st, 2016 to 2018 of December, 2018, they used some predatory practices that I'm going to just put out for you right here. So they entered into sponsorship agreements with various entities in the sports and entertainment industries, requiring concessionaries and other retailers to purchase Anheuser-Busch's malt beverages and prohibiting them from purchasing specific competitors' brands. That's number one. Uh, Including uh, inducing sports industry concessionaries to purchase AB malt beverages by furnishing fixtures, equipment, and services, meaning they had all their stuff everywhere, reimbursing through credit card swipes retailers for the cost of installing malt beverages draft dispensary systems, thereby including them in purchases of the AB's malt beverages, requiring retailers to purchase AB malt beverages in return for such retailers use equipment. So this is what they did, right? They went forward with absolute blatant anti-competitive practices, negatively impacting law-abiding businesses and preventing consumers from enjoying a wide selection in terms of variety in products. And they only got fucking hit with $5 million worth of fines. So all that tells me is that Anheuser-Busch knew well what they were doing. They, they fucking knew what they were doing and they priced it into whatever they would have to actually pay in fines. They're a multi-billion dollar corporation that has their boot on the neck of craft beer and you could see it right there. Right then and there what they were doing. And you know what? You might have an old man shake his fist at you and curse at you on Facebook, but fuck Anheuser-Busch. Not the people though. The people are great. They're average people, just like you and I who go to work. But man, fuck Anheuser-Busch. Bit of a slow week when it came to the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. So hopefully uh, we'll have a bit more going on next week in terms of what's happening in the world of beer. As we move on here, we are going to dive deep into Cane Brewing Company overhead. Now, let me just try to very quickly get to their website here before I pour this out and uh, give it a review. Um, so just give me one second. They are located out of New Jersey. I believe it is Ocean Township, New Jersey. They've got some outstanding reviews in terms of what they have to offer. So I was very happy to um, be able to get into uh, one of these beers and to see what's up. 
Oh, they have a home delivery thing on their website here. That's really nice. Can locator. That's cool too. You can find out where you could find yourself some cane. Uh, so if you hear this show right now and you are wanting to find yourself a can of this, you could go to the can locator and make it happen. So in terms of the description here, we have overhead. It's an American style Imperial IPA. This beer is loaded with our favorite hops, Amarillo, Columbus, Centennial, and Simcoe. It's bittered with a gigantic charge of Columbus and Simcoe early in the kettle. That is followed by several rounds of late kettle and whirlpool hops using Amarillo, Centennial, and Simcoe. In the end, Overhead is brewed with over five pounds of hops per barrel, which includes two rounds of dry hopping to create a cascade of pine, resin, and citrus hop flavors that consume your palate. Although we brewed Overhead with the same imported Pilsner and light crystal malts as Head High and fermented it in our house ale strain to produce a dry, crisp finish. This blend of different hops creates an entirely new experience all on its own. <laughs> so I didn't have the the um, Head High before, so, you know, I think it's the kind of, I think I did the exact same thing with um, Toppling Goliath. I think I had Pseudo Sue and then I had King Sue. But the malt here they're using is a Pilsner Light Crystal Carapils and Wheat Malt. The hops are five plus pound uh, per per uh, kettle, I think they wrote here. And uh, it should be 100 plus IBUs. So it's a nice, cool green can. I love the can. It's got this really far out, like just summer feel to it with green colors that I like. Pouring it into the vessel provided by St. Thomas. I mean, excuse me, St. I almost said St. Thomas Aquinas. Imagine that. No, but this is from St. Peter Sullivan. Here we go. Pouring it out here. Some great lacing I had too uh, with the with the uh, prior beers that I had. I like to do a swirl because it was standing up in there for a little while. So towards the end, I do a little bit of a swirl to try to just get all the goods out and into the glass. So just like the previous two pours that I did of this four pack, because I bought a whole four pack of this bad boy. I got two fingers ahead here. And you have a totally hazy, pale yellow color. Holding it up to the light, completely opaque. You cannot see through it. Fluffy white head at the top. And I didn't want to get too excited, but it did. It, a dud. it did have the look of a potential juice bomb. Uh, it looked vibrant in the glass. I love the pale color to it, but I was really enticed by the, the, um, the haziness. I'm sorry for that noise that I'm making. I'm trying to just like rub the condensation off the glass. You do see like a little bit of a combination going on. There's some floaties in there. No big deal. The head retains very well. Like I think I said before, there's some fantastic lacing that goes on throughout, but it has a really cool look to it. It has a juice bomb look to it. Even though they don't say it's a new England style IPA, they're kind of saying that it's a, uh, an Imperial IPA or a double IPA. Um, it still looks really good. Let's get to the nose here. Okay. So just as before, it just, it isn't intense on the nose. Now, I don't, I really don't understand that. That is slightly odd to me. I get piney and resin, like some very delicate tropical fruit. When I say, when I mean by delicate, it's just, it's not, this beer isn't hitting me in the nose, which concerns me because that's one of the COVID like fucking things, right? It's really not. It's really not hitting me there. It could be me. 
There's some grapefruit though, some citrus zest there, orange, but again, like very faint. I also get like a malty note on the backbone, but it's it's, it's very meek in the in the in the nose. So let's get to the taste here. my third one of these and threw out oh, oh yeah by the way uh, 100 plus IBUs they write and it's 8.2% in a tall boy cam so um it's just as smooth as before I mean it is it is as smooth as velvet you know I am really relieved that after taking some of these sips um I'm just so glad that the nose wasn't an indicator of what I'm gonna get in the taste this whole time I've been having it during the show before the show and the aroma is just so laxed that I was really concerned. But when you have a brewery this hyped, you know, local, basically local, it's not that far away, you know. You gotta, you gotta, they gotta be onto something. They have to be onto something, right? So, um, the now, the flavor it is really incredible and so balanced that it, it's, it's, it's a banger, Okay. What's so cool about this is like right at the beginning, there is a literal flavor as if I just bit into the flesh of an orange, right? Like that first, that first time, like when you take a bite in, you get that burst of citrus sweet orange flavor, not, not like sour. And it's immediately met with a piney, resiny, dank hop taste, but it's subtle. It's not. It's not over the top. Like it, it, it's just enough to like balance out that initial sweetness and, and boy, oh boy, let me tell you, it's pleasant. Uh, there is not a hint of alcohol burn whatsoever as you're drinking this beer. Uh, you know, but it, um, it comes in like late. There's a bit of a, um, buzz. I'm going to say like a buzz going on that, like a burn, but a buzzing feeling, a bit late there and what's interesting is that that velvety mouthfeel that smoothness it's like if it's the alcohol that's great but it sits well with the bitterness on the back end you'll get it when you have a sip you'll understand um really it's it's so well balanced that it's 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 fantastic here Ooh. again like i said definitely a complete banger of a beer so smooth um, it's definitely to write home about in terms of its smoothness. The flavors are balanced, but they're also quite mellow. Um, from what they wrote about what they were going to create, uh, I thought that maybe it would be a bit more robust. Um, if they're use they're using this Pilsner situation here, these malts and this, and they're brewing it with this Pilsner crisp finishness that, they, that like they want to try to get going. So I, I'm interested in seeing what um, head high tastes like uh, to do a little bit of a comparison because I'm just going to assume. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me, let me see if I can look at their beers here. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that obviously it's just maybe just an ale. Um, And obviously, okay, here we go. Yeah. It's an IPA, the head high one. Let me see here. And they make a lot of it. 
It's a 6.6% ABV head high. And it's the same kind of can, which I think is neat. Instead of it being green, it's blue. And it's kind of like the same. They're using the same hop profile. And what I think would be interesting is to try that and to maybe do a little compare and contrast because it's, oh wait, they use Chinook though in the other one. But they also used the Cascade Centennial. Oh, they used Citra in Columbus. I guess they took out uh, Citra and put Simcoe. And Cascade, uh, we just learned Super Cascade is what Simcoe is. So obviously it would be a lot different. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. But I'm going to say this beer is brilliant. Um, I just wish it had slightly more robust flavor, you know, because... Uh, it says 100 plus IBUs. I, I don't like if you're really going to use that for a bittering like unit to give people an idea of how bitter the beer is. Doesn't feel 100 IBU to me at all. Like I had regular stone IPA the other night and that was more bitter than this. You know, maybe that's a testament to what they're doing with these hops in terms of what you can get with the juiciness that's available here. Because there is a juicy characteristic here. But I compared this one to uh, Madonna. <laughs> which was on the the Mount Rushmore with a 9.1, and I gave this beer an 8.6, which is still a absolutely fantastic score. This beer is brilliant. It is so shocking to me that I'm able to have an 8.2 that is this smooth, and this re- it really is a great beer. So don't let the score fool you. An 8.6 is a very high score here, and a very, and it's actually quite... Um, warranted it's a fantastic beer so if you can get your hands on this here uh, overhead imperial india pale ale from cane brewing company it will be in your best interest to do so it is really good i do want to try head high though i want to see the difference in the two and i will say this um this being the first um beer that i've had on the show from cane it's a pretty darn good um indicator of what they're about i think they are pretty they're pretty good. And I know that a lot of people are big fans of Kane out there, and I don't want to step on any toes, but I was fair. It doesn't hit Mount Rushmore, but it is pretty darn good. You guys have been right. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. I really, really love you all so very much. I, if you're listening from www.3beersin.com, don't forget you can always drop me a line, or you could also hit that merch tab. And get yourself some of that excellent merch and rock that merch out there while you're out there. You're going to say you're a part of a community of craft beer and craft beer drinkers that love to hear about craft beer news and reviews. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks all for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I'm going to catch you guys next week. That's what I'm going to do. Love you guys. Take care now. (laughs) 